Welcome to Quotable, a female entrepreneur podcast, the show by and for female entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina, owner of Quotable Media Co., a PR and media company. After more than 10 years building a PR agency, I've learned a lot about business and entrepreneurship, but the most valuable things have always come through conversation with other women who've been in it too. And I want to share all of them with you because we're stronger together. So fill your coffee cup up, sit back and listen in. Hello and welcome. I'm so happy to be talking with Allison Yee today. She's the CEO and founder of Up Next. And I can't wait to get to tell everybody more about what this is all about and what you do, Allison. But first of all, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Me too. I'm excited to have this conversation. Um, I will say we met like in person a couple, maybe a couple months ago now, a couple weeks ago, I was going to say. Um, and and I just feel like we connected kind of, I don't know, I feel like we kind of connected on the the basis of like, or, or I guess I feel like something that made me feel connected to you. And I don't know if we like connected like mutually over this, but I just feel like your brand and your business is like very much about supporting and helping other small brands and businesses in becoming successful in a way that they otherwise wouldn't have access to maybe without you. And um, I guess I feel like, you know, it's in a very, you do it in a very different way than what I do, like with PR and working with brands in that way. But I feel like it's similar in a lot of ways in terms of like how we work with different brands like that. So I feel like that was one thing where I was like, felt connected to what you do and also felt like so intrigued because it's not something I've ever met somebody else who, who does, who works with brands like you do. So I want to let you explain it to people. Um, and I just, before I even let you talk, I know I keep like, I'm still going on. I need to just tell the listeners how I'm like losing my voice. So, um, if people are like, she sounds really weird today. I just want to have put that up <laughs> in the beginning. My voice is funny today. It's been funny all week, but like, I was sure it was going to be fine by today. So I was like, we're going to go ahead with the conversation. But if I start to lose it, like, don't, don't worry about me. I'm fine. But anyway, Allison, tell people like what exactly up next is and yeah, let's start from there. And then I want to hear obviously everything else. Well, Alessandra, I just have to say that I felt exactly the same way. And I was just having a similar thought that although PR is very outside our realm, it is, it is a different version of just that, you know, connecting with businesses and helping them grow. So I guess to back up, up next is my company where we work with emerging brands, fellow entrepreneurs who are looking to grow their businesses through brick and mortar retail. And so we give them access to testing out the market through pop-ups, which are short-term retail activations. And we do it in a whole variety of ways. We have a lot of different channels that we've built up over the years, and we try to keep these opportunities as accessible as possible so that they can truly be low risk and uh, open to a whole wide range of brands and, and founders who are are just trying to get out there and and put their passions out into the world and make it happen. Yeah. And I love that because, yeah, it just feels so supportive. I think that's, that's a good point. Like people who are just like, I need to see what would happen if I could get myself out there more. Like I need to see what would happen if pe- people saw my products like on a shelf and 
you provide that opportunity to them, right? Essentially. Absolutely. Yes. And, and it is very, very different to be in person and experience that real-time feedback and, you know, see people interacting with your products or your services than if you built your business online, which most of our brand partners start online, you know, it's, it's the mm. organic way to establish your business and modern day retail. But until you have that in-person feedback and until you start to get a sense of what is happening in, in the real real world with your products or services, you don't have the full picture. And so it, it also really lends uh, a sense of credibility to your business. It really, it helps you just establish yourself in a whole different way. So it's it's a big step and, and a very worthy one. And, and it's a lot of fun too. I mean, it's just, it's transformative for the businesses and it's amazing for us, for me, uh, being on the other side of it to just see that all unfold. Yeah. And do you feel like, like, so most people have started their business online and then they're like, either, like, do you think that most people just like expect that they were going to have a business online? Like that was what it was going to be. And then they start to think, well, hang on, it could be cool to like have a brick and mortar space. Or is it just that like, it's, feels so hard to have a brick and mortar space that people start online with always kind of like thinking that they would like to have a storefront one day or or sell in person in some capacity and that they just didn't know it was like an option until they meet you. I think they're probably in a couple of different camps. I think either they've always had the dream of opening a brick and mortar, uh, but perhaps start online because it's it's an easier place to begin and sort of do in a controlled way. I mean, opening a, a permanent storefront is a big undertaking. So, so perhaps they hadn't thought about pop-ups or, or they had, you know, and the pop-ups are becoming more popular. So perhaps it's been part of their plan all along, but for the most part, they have a dream of opening a permanent brick and mortar or on the complete other end of the spectrum, they never thought about opening a brick and mortar. They wanted to have, you know, a digitally native brand that stayed that way. But then they started looking into the possibilities and realizing how that could be integrated into their business model. Whether or not they ever choose to open a permanent storefront is is kind of a moot point. That's, you know, they may decide that that's what they want to do after the experience, but it's definitely not necessary. We support brands who are doing pop-ups seasonally, you know, as a marketing push, as a new product launch, there's all different scenarios where a pop-up makes sense within their model. Amazing. Okay, wait, I want to, I, there's like so much there, but I want to back up for a minute because I always ask people for, to first lead us through. I like, I feel like, I guess I kind of like started asking more because I feel like it's such a unique kind of business and like concept I want people to have a sense of what it and I don't know maybe I'm just not in that world but like I feel like I've never heard of someone who hosts pop who who like facilitates pop-ups in the way that you do so it seems very unique to me I want to make sure people have like a sense of like what we're talking about here but I do want to back up now and kind of hear like how did you actually go from you know before you started this business to where it is today and then I do want to dive back into a little more about you know the specifics about how it works and stuff but how did you start like on your business journey what were you doing were you doing something before this and how did you be like hey I'm starting a company yes yes so well if we back way up I feel like I've always been an however far you want. I, uh, I've you know I was like starting businesses in my living room when I was maybe six years old, I just have always been very passionate about creating different unique offerings and, and 
a natural born shopaholic, as I'm sure my mother would say. So I found a career to support that. Um, but really, I, you know, went into the retail world from high school or college on. I was working on the boutique sales floor. I was having as many sort of hospitality and retail related experiences as I could because I loved it. And then I went to work in the corporate space right after college. I worked for TJX companies and um, started my first business there. Actually, I had a little uh, boutique wardrobe advising company. I was a, like a stylist, but uh, that, and I did that for 10 years completely on the side before Up Next was even a thought. Um, but I also changed corporate settings, worked in buying and in different companies. And then I ended up working for a, a locally based developer, WS Development, for about seven years um, in different roles. So they own places like The Street and Chestnut Hill in Massachusetts and Seaport and lots, lots of big developments around Boston and beyond. And I was the general manager at The Street, the Chestnut Hill property, at the time that I noticed we had kind of a high level of vacancy, mm. uh, a low, there were not a lot of local tenants. And that was really important to the community and to making it sort of an authentic place to shop. And so I just kind of got the okay to, to start dabbling in pop-ups, which I which weren't happening a whole lot around Boston at that point. That was probably back in 2014. Um, and so I basically, what we say, call vanilla boxed a, a little 400 square foot space. And that means, you know, it was an ice cream shop. It had a mirrored ceiling and orange orb lighting. And it was, it was very quirky, but we just made it a blank canvas. And then I started looking for different local brands that would be interested in popping up. And it was a very different conversation at that point. I had to explain what a pop-up was, what I was looking for them to do, how it would actually work. And ultimately ended up with uh, my first pop-up was a, a big old pop-up, but I was hooked from that, that very moment. I I absolutely loved working hand-in-hand -hand with these entrepreneurs and uh, building something really unique and helping them get the word out into the market. And perhaps most importantly, giving them access to a location that typically is completely out of the realm of possibility for early stage entrepreneurs or, or concepts. So basically, if you're signing a lease at one of these properties, it's for 10, 15, 20 years. It's for an astronomical rate. It's it's just, it's not, it's not on the table. So we took away all of those barriers to entry. And so all of these entrepreneurs got proof of concept so much earlier in their development. And so I went on to rotate different retail and food concepts through that particular space and then launch uh, the retail incubation di division for WS Development. So I started traveling to different properties and opening pop-up storefronts and helping invite brands to be a part of those properties. And I had been looking for my you know, full-time leap into entrepreneurship for a long time, and I just had that feeling that it was now or never that I needed to make the jump. And so that was 2018 when I launched up next. Wow. So they kind of allowed you to really get a proof of your concept before you even had to take that leap, because it sounds like they were pretty open to like letting you do what you wanted to do with those spaces and, and then ex even expand from the first location before you like yeah. even left them. 
the reality is that in big developments like that, that they're building new buildings. They have an entire leasing team, which I was not a part of. Uh, and, and they're, there is not a whole lot of attention paid to those smaller spaces that don't have the ability to yield such high revenue in the same way that, you know, the shiny new uh, pieces of the development do. So it was a really great window of opportunity for me to, to test the waters and, and eventually became what I'm doing now without, without any specific limitations or portfolios or partnerships to work within. Yeah. And does it, did you like kind of, leave there amicably where you were kind of like, I still want to fill these spaces for you. Like just now through my own, <laughs> you still can work with those locations or were you kind of like, I'm starting from scratch once you went off on your own? I guess a little of each. I mean, they knew exactly what I was, was doing and were supportive. Um, but they've continued to build up that division. So they have an in-house team that is very capable of doing that, although we have collaborated with them. Uh, but but I also was definitely ready to spread my wings and build new relationships and, uh, you know, hang my own shingle. Yeah. So what was the first, like, what did you do when you first, like you were, when you hung that shingle and you were like, okay, we're open for business. <laughs> like, and, and yeah, that's a great kind question. of the next question being like, kind of what does that look like now? Like what has changed from then to now in terms of like the business, your team, those kinds of things? so much has changed. <laughs> I would say my first project, my first major project was the summer of 2018. I worked with actually a former uh, colleague from WS who had gone to a different company. And um, we launched a pop-up village using shipping containers. Mm. So this was in uh, a really interesting mixed-use development out in Weymouth, Mass. And and I had never even been to Weymouth, <laughs> but I had signed on to do this project where basically we had, I, I had two of the eight shipping containers to uh, create sort of weekend pop-up experiences around. And so I, I came up with two very different concepts, one being retail focused, where each weekend it would be home to a different brand or concept. And and then the the hot pink one right across from it we did a workshop concept in. So essentially different types of experiences, whether that was um, sip and script with calligraphy classes out in an open air setting. This is pre-pandemic, but it was all completely outside and really utilized the outdoor space well. And, you know, we had an artist in residence and a um, knitting workshop series with third piece. So I, I just sort of tapped into every possible relationship and and started you know out cold outreach and got different entrepreneurs excited to be a part of this and there was also an events component that I wasn't in charge of but it was really placemaking it was building an experience and a destination and at the same time giving a super accessible opportunity it was I think revenue share only there was very little upfront expense for these brands um but it also really set the tone for how I've built up next and that we are very outside the box. We consider all different types of formats fair game for pop-ups. It is, you know, non-traditional. And that is one of the things that I love about it so much. So we've built up our matchmaking capacities, which is what we call them. We're sort of, it's sort of like dating. You're testing out a space. You're seeing if it could work long-term. And so we help pair brands with spaces and also brands with each other. I think that the collaborative piece is a really important part of what we do. Cool. So it started out really as like you reaching out to people and being like, 
I have a space. Do you want to kind of come pop up and, and like having to explain to them what that is? And I imagine now it's totally different. People are like always looking for us. I mean, I'm sure you get, as you said, like some people never even think of a pop up still, but I'm sure now I feel like it's much more popular and you probably have people come to you like, I know I want to do a pop up what like do you have any spaces that would work for me and you're like yes I would say word has spread much more quickly among the brand community we have so many amazing brands that are are always looking for different opportunities so we've adopted sort of a launch model where we can field applications and invite entrepreneurs to apply for a particular opportunity uh through our website and and one of the things that I was set on doing through this process is being really transparent with information. So in the traditional real estate world, you never know what a space costs to lease. You don't know what the terms are going to be sort of riddled with just a lot of legal jargon. And so I wanted to change all that and just, this is what it costs. This is when it's available. This is the type of brands that we're looking for. Um, so putting all of that information or as much of it as possible front and center so that you know, an entrepreneur sitting at home reading through this can say, oh, yeah, this is a great fit for me. I can afford this. I, I feel really good about this location. They can make an informed decision about whether or not they're interested. Um, and so that's been really, really great. And also challenging because we we need to onboard our, our space partners to have that same mindset. Yeah. How many? So, I mean, this probably always in, in flux or changing all the time, I imagine. But like, how many spaces do you kind of like have on your roster at a time that you that you work with generally now so it really varies i would say we have we started doing markets during the pandemic so mm -hmm. um those you know can can become an opportunity for a whole lot more brands at a time but for a shorter period so it'll be you know 15 20 30 at a time for a weekend say and that is awesome because so many more brands get the opportunity to test something out. And then, and then it sort of funnels into a longer term pop-up opportunity. Mm -hmm. So if, if someone wants to test at a brick and mortar space, we used to see a lot of shorter term, you know, a few weeks or a few months at a time. And now we really work all the way up to a year. So if there's a vacancy or, or, you know, they, they really could get a true test of the market for all of the different seasons, all of the highs and lows of a retail cycle. Uh, and then decide, okay, this is an, an amazing fit for me. I want to keep doing this for as long as I can in a permanent way. Or this was a really good run. I'm going to go back to my online business and complement it with seasonal pop-ups. I mean, it can absolutely go either way. Yeah. So some people are, what's like the show? I mean, I know you said the markets are like obviously a weekend, but other than that, like if someone's like moving into a space and they're bringing like, you know, boxes of all their products, like how, how is there a typical timeline? And I feel like you're, probably your answer to everything is going to be like, it depends. It's also, <laughs> you know, what they want and need, but is it usually like a month or like three months? I, I would say a season. Mm -hmm. So I, so yes, there's a big range between that one day to one year timeline, but a season is probably our average. Um, it's also, we have retail incubator spaces that we rotate seasonally and that works out really well where you're going three to four months at a time you're at, as the founder of a brand, you're looking at your own product or service and saying, okay, this is my peak season. Therefore, I really want to be here for, you know, I own a swimwear company. I want to be there for the spring, summer, you know, overlap um, or holiday season is always a popular one, of course. But yes, the season I would say is the average. 
this sounds like so many logistics like I'm just so curious like <laughs> the back end of your business like how do you actually stay on top of all of this because it sounds like the most detail-oriented piece of like every business and you're like helping them with with it for like all of these businesses kind of like how do you how do you uh that is definitely where my team comes in I could not do this alone uh I have an amazing small but mighty team I like to say there's about six of us and um we've taken to using Asana Mm. in this past year or so and that has been really game-changing in terms of keeping track of the moving parts because there are many uh but we've been able to to systemize them and and develop you know processes that that work for us that we're always fine-tuning but essentially um I think the important thing to note is that we're not the day-to-day operations of the business so the, the brand's do that themselves. And that's a big undertaking for them. But we try to simplify the rest of the pieces so that they can really focus on their core as much as possible. Uh, And so, but yes, there are definitely a lot of moving parts and variables per space, per opportunity, per brand. And then there's the human component, which is both the part I absolutely love and the part that can be challenging, you know, if two brands don't get along and they're sharing a space, how do you navigate that? If, uh, you know, someone misses a payment with a landlord and we're, <laughs> there are all of those scenarios, but for the most part, we are very fortunate to have, you know, really wonderful partners and, ex- and just overall experiences. And we try as best we can to help them navigate the many nuances that are involved with launching and executing and operating a pop-up. Yeah. What are some of the roles of the people? Like you said, there's six of you. Do you guys have, do you have pretty specific roles, like in terms of like who's doing what? Cause I'm always just really curious about like the behind the scenes of how it's actually working, how your team works together and how you've kind of built that out. Like, how did you know when to hire yeah. someone and what they should do and those things? That's a great question. Yes. I, uh, I would say we are, well-defined in our roles, but also always evolving them. I think that's really important in a small business that you need to consider everyone's growth and how the needs of the business changes change as we grow and how, you know, you just have to keep open communication about that. So currently on the team, we have um, my COO, who actually used to be our creative director. So that's just one example of how it's sort of evolved over time. Um, and then we have a creative director who actually was uh, one of our, our brand partners. So that's how we first met through a pop-up experience. Uh, and then we have our um, head of community and and whose role has evolved from catalyst. So sort of the first point of contact or interaction. I always really loved the word catalyst because I think it indicates, you know, you're being sprung into the mix and getting getting our full attention, but not a lot of people know what that means. But really it's about building community and, and feeling like you're a part of the up next family. Uh, We also have our head of strategic partnerships. So that's about onboarding brands and spaces and developing those key partnerships that make all of the different pieces of the puzzle come together. And then our most recent addition, and this speaks a lot to Asana and how that's become really important, is a project manager. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, So that is our core team right now. And 
I've been really fortunate to work primarily with other entrepreneurs. So so I am the only full-time member of our team right now. Um, everyone else has a varying schedule. We, we work sort of hybrid, primarily remote, but we have an office space where we can gather together. We try to get together in person as a full team at least once a month. Um, and that's sort of where the magic happens. Like we, we all get along really well and just have a great time brainstorming together, but then also putting things into action. We have a, a really passionate, driven group of people. And I, I feel like that's where I've been most fortunate in building this company. I've just worked with so many amazing people, all women actually right now. Um, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a powerhouse team and I, I love to hear all of their input. That sounds amazing. I I love that. I love how it just seems like everything kind of, I mean, I'm sure that I know it's it's never as easy as it sounds, but it sounds like like the right people have come for the positions that you need and like they kind of fall into place or like things shifted in the way that like made sense for their role or where you needed a role that you had a person for. Like, I love when it's like that, those kinds of things work out like that and it's like you know what she would actually be great for this role that we now need or or the role just kind of evolves into something else as you grow and change and you're able to keep those team members with you I love that I always find it so interesting to hear like especially with a small team like how you make it all happen so thanks for sharing I, I think you know, you have to you have to have fun at the same time as being super productive, which I feel like has been our our balancing act. Like we could chit chat all day and would really love to do that, but at the same yeah. time, get so much done and put so many ideas into action. And sometimes you just have to to go for it. Yeah, I think we have that same uh, dynamic <laughs> over at Quotable. <laughs> like we could absolutely just chat all day on our on our meetings, but we have to be like, okay, we actually I like. Uh, I like time things out. I'm very like specific with like even our just internal like check-in agendas. So I'm like this many minutes for this part, this many minutes for this part, because otherwise we'll just, we'll just have too much fun together. <laughs> That's where our project manager comes in because I'm terrible at that. I'm, I'm really bad at cutting it off, cutting I off the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at that too, but we try, we try. Um, so, oh my gosh. I mean, I, I feel like there's things I always say this, but I always wish we had more time to talk. And I always try to keep these episodes not from getting too long. So I'm trying to think like what else I need to ask. Um, I just feel like I guess I want to go into even though I want to hear more about like every detail of how you run the business. I want to I feel like this is something that's me really interesting to so many of our listeners who because there are a lot of people who have products who have maybe only sold like, you know, our e commerce or have sold on only online, or done a little bit in person. Um, and might have been like, hey, a pop-up actually sounds great. Um, so I want to like go there for a little bit too. Um, yeah. Just in terms of like, I don't know, like what have you found in terms of the different kinds of brands that you've worked with? Um, like, are there a couple pieces of like advice or things that you've seen brands do that has helped them become more successful with pop-ups or anything like that? That's kind of like a useful bit of information for somebody who maybe has never done a, pod, a pop-up before or like has maybe done one and like is thinking about doing more they were like I don't know I don't even know the question but like I feel like <laughs> I have all the answers so I want to go there for for people who are like maybe on that side sure so when you're considering a pop-up 
there there are kind of two paths. I mean, there there are a bunch of different factors to figure out in terms of what your location is going to be, what your duration is, like how long you want to do a pop up if you want to dabble in some shorter term ones before testing out a, a longer term one. But I think one of the biggest decisions is if you're doing this, as we say, as a standalone brand, or if you're doing it in collaboration with others. And I would say if you have not done a pop-up before, or if you don't have extensive retail experience, a collaboration is one of the best things you can do for yourself and your brand, either by finding your own partners or will often help pair brands together. But look for brands that are complementary to your business, but not competitive. So if you know you sell candles, for example, and you host candle making workshops, you may want to look for other complementary brands that are in sort of the home and lifestyle space. So they they create this cozy environment with you, but are not selling or offering the same thing as you. And I wouldn't recommend partnering with more than one or two other brands because there's a lot of logistics, but the shared resources are amazing. You know, you can share the staffing and that keeps costs down. You share the cost of the rent, you share knowledge that is kind of the the biggest piece so if someone else that you're partnering up with has past retail experience or finance experience or marketing experience you can really leverage each other's strengths and that's that's sort of the magical silver lining that we see coming out of these collaborations where yes you're building your business and your sales and all of all of the things that a pop-up can do drive for you but you're also forging amazing relationships and getting all of this free access to shared knowledge, to shared resources that you wouldn't have otherwise. So that's like a big one. I would say you knew the, you knew the answer. I, I didn't even, I wouldn't even, I never even considered like a collaborative pop-up like that, like, like a couple brands in one space. Like that's such a great idea. I didn't, wouldn't even have thought to ask anything about that. So that's definitely, I mean, that sounds so fun. Like from a brand perspective, like I would want yes. to. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's that sense of community. You're you're in it together, and retail is is a roller coaster. I mean, I don't sugarcoat it for anyone. You're going to have days that not a lot of people walk through that door, but there are always ways to overcome that, you know, and and plan events together and all all of those different things. However, some brands have a vision for what kind of experience they would create, how they would translate their brand from a website to a storefront. And, and if that's the case, then you are dead set on that vision, which I applaud, then go for it on your own. Like bring that vision to life and don't don't hesitate. Because a pop-up is that that best gateway drug. <laughs> that sounds terrible. The, the best way to just test it out without signing that permanent lease, without, you know, don't take out a loan to do a pop-up. Don't, don't put yourself in a, a difficult financial position. So, so go for the maximum kind of test that you can afford to collect your information and see what that experience is like. Yeah, that's maybe a great question too, is like, if someone's doing a pop-up for a season or something like a couple months, are they paying for the, like, they're obviously only paying for that portion of time. So that's why it's a, such a cost-effective option versus having to send like a five-year lease, but are they paying like on a monthly basis or do they have to like pay for it all at once? Or like, what does that look like? I guess if someone's like, Hmm, I still don't quite know, like if I could make this work. Yeah. Yeah. It's typically if you're taking a space on for, you know, a season. So a few months you're paying monthly rent. Maybe you'll have to pay a security deposit or last month's rent up front, but 
when we when we onboard spaces, we try to make them as accessible as possible. Sometimes it's still close to market rate. Uh, typically, if you're doing shorter term, you're actually paying a little bit more because everyone still has to go through the full comprehensive process, but it's condensed. So the longer that you take on a space, it, it's sort of a, a little more in line with um, you know, market rate or below, uh, depending on the landlord. That's, that's a, the landlord is a big factor in all of this, you know, how open they are. We, we actually do work with quite a few properties who have the flexibility to make it super accessible to see pop-ups as beneficial to them as a marketing tool. So, you know, these brands are bringing in a new audience. They're creating something special. They're adding a local twist to some properties that don't have a ton of local tenancy. So there's lots of benefits all around and, and some of the opportunities are free. I mean, we do free markets on a regular basis. Uh, there's, there's a lot of creative ways that you can do a pop-up even if we have very little to work with. Wow. Yeah. That's great to know. Okay. Wait. So one more thing kind of on the, on the business side, I'm just curious, like if somebody wants to work with you to help get them into like a pop-up space, are they paying you guys for like a one-off service to like make that happen and make those connections? Or are you kind of like built into like their whole pop-up experience? Like, I'm curious about like the, business <laughs> if you don't mind going. Sure. Yeah, not at all. No, I, so not typically, they're not typically paying us a service fee. Um, Typically, we have a partnership with the landlord where we're paid out that way. If they're coming through, they're building a brand profile with us. So we we like to get to know the brands before we place them. So we're collecting information, you know, sometimes having a phone call or a Zoom meeting or an in-person um, and getting to know what they're looking for and what would be the right fit so then we can make recommendations. That said, they can also go through the whole process online. They can fill out a profile. They can look at what spaces are readily accepting applications and then, you know, apply to be considered and get, they can really accelerate that process quickly. Um, we also, we have a, an arm of our business called Project Pop-Up that we launched during the pandemic, which is grant funded. So basically we work directly with municipalities and landlords and create these incubator spaces that rotate seasonally. And, and through that, we're able to build in uh, rent stipends and events. So, so wow. some of these spaces are free. So most of them are very accessible, especially for higher end markets. We try to trim those rents way, way down. But those are are ways that these brands can can plan ahead and have the opportunity to really get into a space that they wouldn't have otherwise accessed. Um, and then we recently launched a course. So I that is a paid. Because yeah. if somebody's not local to like the Boston area or Massachusetts, I don't know exactly how far out you guys have like work with spaces. That's what I was going to ask. They can still do some stuff with you, right? They can still get into this? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So most of our spaces are in Massachusetts. So that's where we're headquartered, just outside Boston. But that has been a driving force for a long time. How can we help more founders and more places get popping, find a space? Um, and so about two and a half years ago, it's taken a long time to really develop and refine, but we decided it was time to launch a course so that any founder anywhere could have access to the playbook. We ended up calling it the pop-up playbook. So just a really comprehensive, interactive course. There's a video component, but also this 
super robust. I don't have it next to me, like huge, you know, 150 page workbook. That is all of the exercises that tie into planning your pop-up because there's nothing like this. There's, there's no guidebook for this out there. And, and there are, like you said, a lot of moving parts. So there's a lot of things to think about, but when you break it into these digestible uh, pieces, it's actually really fun and exciting if you have that roadmap. And and anyone in you know California, Hawaii, wherever they may be out, outside of New England can go through this process and identify a space and start planning out their experience. And we just take them step by step. So this is kind of an exciting new chapter for up next. And I'm I'm excited also to build the community around that because I think that's a big part of it to have support and and you know, our team, but also fellow founders to bounce questions off of as they're navigating the process. Yeah, no, that sounds so valuable. And it's true. It seems like, I mean, first of all, it does sound like a lot of fun, but it definitely also sounds like something where it's like, I wouldn't even know where to start. Like, or where I might be like, I kind of feel like I could think about how I should figure it out. But what if I'm, what if I'm wrong? <laughs> like, or what if I'm forgetting some major piece? So like having that playbook where it's, you know, you're going step-by-step step through everything you need. It sounds really helpful. There, there's definitely a lot that you might overlook that, you know, in, including the legal piece. I mean, we're not offering legal advice per se, but we're, we're guiding you in all of those directions. Here are the things to look out for. If you've never least a space there's a lot of terminology that comes into play that you wouldn't be familiar with there's just so many different facets because pop-ups sort of intersect real estate and marketing and retail and you may have experience in just one or perhaps none of those areas yeah yeah that sounds really cool okay well um I always ask people if there's one thing you wish you knew when you first started the business that you know now or like that you didn't realize you didn't know back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I first started up next, I I felt really isolated. I'm a solo founder. I felt like I was, I had big ambitions and dreams, but I was very much alone. And so I wish I had known that was temporary. I, I think there are so many ways you can seek out community and build a team and know that you're not alone on the roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship. Uh, and it took me a little while to figure that out. And so I wish that that, you know, former founder me just had that insight earlier on. Nice. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Okay, I've got to ask because you and I met at uh a Hey Mama event, an, an event for like moms, not necessarily in business, but like kind of, I guess it tends to be a lot of business owners, but it's for mom, like a community of moms and like high achieving moms, I guess maybe I would say, I don't know. Um, but mm. the, the point being, um, <laughs> I'm always super interested in how other business owners are also moms and you have three kids which to me is like right is that true two or three yes more no, than I have three that I have <laughs> so I remember being <laughs> like oh my gosh you do all this and have three kids like what does that look like did you have the business before you had kids or did you have kids first I feel like that's always part of like the dynamic and I'm always just interested to hear what that's like for other women I had two of my three babies before I launched up next. So wow. I think my second child was about one year old and uh, everyone thought I was a little bit crazy for 
having another baby, the business so soon, but, but it was, it was definitely the right time. And then I welcomed my third and final baby to the family, um, in 2020. So mid peak, peak pandemic really. Um, and, and so it's a juggle. I mean, there's no way to, to avoid that. It's, it's a beautiful, chaotic mess week to week, but I've just fully embraced it. Wow. Yeah. I feel like at least being a business owner, there's so many kind of juggles and like, you know, there's always like that mom guilt of like when you're working and not with the kids or when you're with the kids and and thinking about business, but at least you have like flexibility, right. Around like what you're doing. And I feel like just having that ownership over your business and your day-to-day life in that way, I feel like it's such a when it comes to having kids. It's so true. It really, it, it helps every day me makes it a little bit more manageable. Are they interested in the business? Do they like help you out with little things here and there? Do they like not carry it or not get it? Um, they're so funny. So my, I, my older two daughters have like pretended that they're launching pop-ups. They've asked me to help them start businesses. And I love that. Uh, yes, I, hopefully they get a little entrepreneurial spirit in them. It sounds like they already have. That's so funny. <laughs> that I love to hear that um yeah oh my god I don't know more power to you I just have no I like I can't even imagine having three kids <laughs> let alone three kids. <laughs> so I one is a lot also any number of kids I, I have to say it's, it's a big responsibility but that is so true um any last word of advice for other business owners other people who might want to do a pop-up or anything like that yes I would say take big swings go for it. If you have a feeling that, you know, you can step outside your comfort zone and bring all you have to offer into the world, have those conversations, put yourself out there, you know, test it. Don't, don't go bankrupt trying to make it happen, but really, you know, don't, don't be afraid. Just go for it. I love it. So good. Thank you so much, Allison. This is like perfect timing because I do feel like my voice is giving out on me now. (laughs) Luckily, I hope you feel better. You had all the answers. You had all the information today. So (laughs) thank you so much for coming on. Tell people, how can they find you if, um, well, yeah, how can they find you online, whether they're local or not, if they want to find the course, tell us how to find that too. um, How they can. Uh, So we are online at poppingupnext.com, also the popupplaybook.com, but everything links out from the poppingupnext.com URL. And we're also all over social media. You can follow me on Instagram at the Allison Yee and at poppingupnext and at project.popup. So please connect. Happy to chat. Awesome. Thank you so much. I think people are going to really love this. Thank you so much. This is really fun. I and mean, flew by. Thanks so much for listening. For more information, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at Quotable Media Co. and at Quotable Magazine. If you loved this episode, please consider sharing it. Take a screenshot right now and post it to your stories and don't forget to tag us so we can reshare. We love to see which episodes are resonating with you. Also, if you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening right now. It means the world to me to see those. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you've heard on this show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes and also online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. Talk to you soon.